In today's show, it's a live mailbag show, and I am joined by Zach Hanshu of Roto World NBC Sports Edge. We're going to be answering your questions. Michael Bolton? Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at LockedOnFantasyBasketball. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds and lines than ever before. BetOnline is where the game starts. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. So I'm not going to waste any time because we're here live to answer your questions on YouTube. And I'm going to be joined, well, not I am going to be joined, because I am already joined by Zach Hanshu. Zach, welcome. What's going on, man? Beautiful mustache. How are you? <laughs> Thank you. Um, free rides with any donation to Movember. If people do want to donate, I've got to check that because I said, I told people yesterday that if I got the donations up for me growing this mustache up to $2,000 by today, I'd drink a beer live on my pregame show. Let's see where we're at. It's it, By the way, it's 10.30 in the morning. Oh, we're nowhere near 2,000. You guys, you're never going to get me to drink a beer live. Well, you've got another like, 300 bucks to go. Ah, it's slack. All right, so no beers for me this morning at 10.30 a.m. and completely ruin my liver. We're here to talk uh, fantasy basketball. We're here to answer your questions in the old live stream. So we might as well, um, might as well bring them up now. Now, you had a question. Well, no, you had a question. There was a question I saw in here. We discussed this before we went live because you did go. Zach, to West Virginia. So too much fails. Says, any chance Javon Carter sticks next to Drew and Chris when they come back? I doubt it. Um, I love the ride right now. I, love, I mean, I hate to say it, but when Chris comes back, I can't see it. Um, I think we're going to enjoy what he's doing right now. He's going to stick in the starting lineup till Chris comes back. And obviously he went bananas yesterday with Drew out and probably get another game with Drew out. And he'll probably be pretty good in that one as well. Um, but otherwise, yeah, when Chris comes back, I think it's probably the end of his run, unfortunately. Yeah, look, I just think that spacing that Grayson Allen does provide is probably going to stick in that lineup versus Javon Carter. And again, this is really, really indicative, I think, Zach, of you know, looking at that one game and seeing that big blow up. It was fantastic. But then like extrapolating it back when we all know that Javon Carter you know, had a you know, two-point yeah, it goes two, three, and one, or five, four, and zero, or something like that. In most of the games this season, there's been some solid games, and he's really, really good at getting steals. But that game is an absolute outlier with Drew, Chris, and Giannis all out, and he went crazy. And it was double over- overtime, and it was against the Thunder. Um, look, he, maybe he starts, but even if he did, I don't think we have to care for fantasy at all, really. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, <clears throat> all right, so. Other questions. This is an easy one to me, unless you have a difference of opinion. Ernest Hutchinson and Mateo Ivanek say, do you pick up Pokashevsky? Yeah, I think you have to. Like, we know there's going to be inconsistency with the rotation. There's going to be inconsistency with his performance. But outside of the little shoulder bursitis thing, before that, he was playing 27 minutes in three or four games prior. Came back, he blew up in the, in the last game. He was a guy that I wanted to pick up before the shoulder. And I said, pick him up then. Then you drop him with the injury. Now you pick him back up. Zach, I, it's not going to be smooth sailing, but I think he has to be rusted. Top 30 player over the last week. You have to. There you go. Easy stuff. Now, again, it will be rough or it could be rough. Very easily could he could play 12 minutes. But 
the last six or seven games, it's been 25 plus, roughly, and good production. And he seems like he's less prone at the moment to those vagaries of the rotation, the Jeremiah Robinson Earls or the Aaron Wigginses or the Kenrich Williams or the Jalen Williams or the Usman Jengs, where they go from 10 minutes to 25 and you can't predict it. Whereas Poku's more mid-20s to high-20s. And that's early in the season, it did drop off, but it's been pretty um, pretty strong. Ryan, I knew we'd get this question. Ryan Hurlbake says, do I think Hartenstein will ever start? Yes, because I literally saw it two games ago. Um, whether he starts again over Jericho Sims, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. But I'll tell you one thing, um, Ryan, is that it didn't go particularly well last game, did it? For the Knicks, as they lost by 30 to the Nets, starting Jericho Sims. I don't know whether Hartenstein will start. I do know that Captain Comover is a horrendous coach and makes baffling and stubborn decisions all the time. But Hartenstein started, what, one or two games this season? And you know, he's still like a top 100 player. So I'm still holding him. Are you doing anything different with Hartenstein? I am still holding him. Like even when Mitchell Robinson comes back, I probably still will be holding him. Yeah, there's there's nothing different you need to do with Hardenstein. Um, I, I think with uh, Jericho Sims starting the other day, that was more of like a, a nominal start essentially. Like he didn't he didn't do anything that would overly impress you. He got into early foul trouble, um, and he's mostly good for you know obviously rebounding. Uh, really good offensive rebounder, a uh, very athletic guy. But mm. is he going to give you you know across the board production? Uh, solid minutes that Hardenstein is going to give you. No, he's not. Uh, and even when Robinson was healthy, Hardenstein was still a, a top 100 guy. So obviously you're holding him. You're going to continue to play him. Um, and, and you just kind of deal with the annoyance of Sims at the moment, but he'll be just fine. Just Baller Talk says, it ain't 10.30, it's 7.30. Is this pre-recorded? No, I'm talking about on my pre-game show, which starts at 10.30 a.m. I'm not drinking the beer here. So you've got three more hours to donate 300 bucks to Movember so I can drink at 10.30 a.m. Thunderous, this is a good question. Do you think that Charles Bassey ends up being a better stash than Isaiah Jackson? Charles Bassey playing really well. Actually, Zach, top 100 player this season per game, somehow. Mm-hmm. Don't really know how. Well, I do know how. It's blocks and good field goal percentage. Um, and strong strong rebounds. He's currently the backup center behind Jakob Pertl. So I guess Thunderous is suggesting here that Pertl will get traded and Bassey will become the starter. But there is also the pesky problem of Zach Collins, who is currently out for like three to four weeks. But unless Pertl gets traded in three to four weeks, and I'm not sure that Bassey does have as clear a path to a starting role as what Isaiah Jackson does, even though oh, I think Bassey in 14-team leagues is a great grab and, he, and he's playing really well. And he's a guy that I liked back in Philadelphia. Um, but I don't think that path is quite as clear as Isaiah Jackson's is. Yeah, I don't think it's quite as clear either, but you also still have Miles Turner, who's just been playing out of his mind so far uh, to contend with in Indiana. Plus, they also have Jalen Smith. Um, they have Terry Taylor in the mix, um, somehow playing in the front court. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of bodies in Indiana. Uh, I, I'm not necessarily sure Charles Bassey ends up being the better stash than Isaiah Jackson. I, I think still give me Isaiah Jackson, but Bassey is, is really an interesting name to highlight right now. Um, you know, 15 minutes a game, he's getting you seven and six and over a block and a steal per game, which is just phenomenal production. Uh, you just have to wonder, you know, when those minutes or if those minutes will eventually tick up. Hayden asks, I'm not sure if I've answered yet, but Boucher or Coloco, are they a pickup with Precious Achua, the big sneeze, with his injury? Now, yes, Siakam is out. Now, Achua is out. But still, the same problem exists. This is this is what we talked or I've talked about so much with Boucher and Achua and Coloco because there's like seven of these guys. So, yeah, okay, Achua's out, but Thad Young, Otto Porter, Chris Boucher, and Coloco will all take those minutes and... 
there's still scrap minutes anyway. Like Coloco will start, but I, I the only guy that I would consider is Boucher, but I don't think he's very good. I think he's com- horrendously inconsistent. This does help boost him a little bit, but I think you're just going to be disappointed with any of those guys, really. Yeah, Boucher is the pickup. Um, I, I think the the biggest takeaway for me is Otto Porter Jr.'s minutes. Uh, he's averaged 20 minutes a game over yep. the last four. Uh, season high 23 minutes yesterday. Uh, Boucher and Coloco combined for 27 minutes, and Boucher's minutes have gone down in each of the last three games. So I think Porter Jr. is going to be a key role uh, role player for them. Hit a couple of big threes for them last night, late in the game. So I, I think he's uh, he's going to take away some of that production. But Boucher is the guy. Yeah, but like, just got to have really low expectations because, as you said, look, the minutes have oh, gone down. Sure. He's a worse player than Otto Porter. I think he's a worse player yeah. than Thad Young, personally. And I know he has these games where he'll have like 15 points on six shots where he shoots 80% and has two blocks. And we love it because we love chasing stats that just happened. But it just yeah. happened. Like, it's not happening the next game necessarily. And we've seen that years over years over years over years with Boucher and even with Achua and even with Coloco, like they're just not consistent enough and the role isn't consistent enough for me to get overly excited about those sort of players. A lot of questions in here about the Toronto Centre rotation. I hope that answers that for the people that are asking it. We'll get into a little bit more questions in a second, but but for that, today's show is brought to you by betonline.net. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from basketball to football, soccer, esports. We've got it all at BetOnline.net. If I go to BetOnline.net, speaking of West Virginia, they have Oklahoma this weekend in college football, Zach, and they are seven and a half point underdogs. Can the Mountaineers get it done against the Sooners? Oh, man, I hate to trash them on <laughs> on your show, but, they, man, they've been awful this season. I'm not I'm not laying money on West Virginia, even with seven and a half. So no. you're, just, you're just waiting for the return of uh, Pat White and Steve Slayton to come back and uh, return them to glory, I guess? Waiting for the glory day. Waiting for the Geno Smith glory days. That's Gino. when I was at school there. G- oh, you were there when Geno was there. Wow, there's lots to yeah. talk about there. Yeah. Um, if you love sports podcasts, you can also find them at Bet Online as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online is where the game starts. Don't forget also to gamble responsibly. Okay, let's go back to let's go back to some questions. Let's see what the next question is. I haven't brought that one up yet. Um, all right, so many questions about the uh, Toronto Center rotation. Should have predicted that would have been the big one after that news about um, how long do you think pressure is going to be out for? Just quickly, as I search for the next question, it, I'm thinking multiple months. Really, it didn't look good, and the tears and the out in definitely. I'm not expecting him back anytime soon. No, I agree with you there. Um, okay, Mark says, can Desmond Bain remain as a top thirty player? Hmm. That's a tough one, man. Um, but I, I hate to bet against a guy that is shooting so well. Um, I mean, there's your answer right there, though. There's your answer right there. He's shooting like 47% from three, and he's a great shooter, but that's really hard. That's hard to stick, isn't it? It's hard to stick, but we saw so much of this last year. And, you know, is it unreasonable to expect him to take another step forward, um, especially with Triple J out right now? Uh, Maybe when Triple J comes back, uh, that production falls off a little bit because he'll have to get his as well. Uh, But I I don't think it's unreasonable to expect him to keep shooting lights out. I really don't. I I think he's going to shoot lights out, but there is a difference between 46 and 42 or 43. 
and it's that true. yeah that drops your especially when you're taking over half your shots from three then your field goal percentage goes from like his last seven games he's 51 percent from the field and then that goes down to 48 and that takes him from being a big a positive a big positive on good volume in fantasy to being actually neutral to maybe a negative and the volume amplifies that he's also doubled his free throw attempts from last season so i don't know where that sits because he's getting to the rim a huge amount more um, I, I, he's over. He's almost doubled his assist rate this season as well, so, and I do believe in a lot of this stuff. The ups, the upage in usage, the increase in free throw attempts. I agree with it to some extent, but these are like double rates from where he broke out last season. Like double assists, double free throw attempts, four to five extra percentage points on threes. If only one of those three things falls back a little bit, then five to ten spots goes off his ranking. And and I've got him as a top forty, almost top thirty five guy, but it's not. It's not a hard thing to see those things fall. Now, in saying that, he's only averaging half a steal, so that can balance one of those things. So maybe you need two of those things to drop off. So right. I guess I guess what I'm saying is probably not top 30, but not far off it. Um, I agree with you there. What else have we got here? I saw a question on Shaden Sharp, and then I just moved past it, so I went to that one. All right, let's talk about Monty Morris. Do you think he is still a 12-team league player, Zach? Um, no. And, and mainly because I, I didn't really consider him a, a 12 team guy in the preseason. I wasn't really high on him. Um, I, I'm not entirely sure what you're getting out of him other than, uh, he's, his assist rate has dropped off, uh, in recent games. He was pretty good at, you know, the beginning of the season, but, uh, he's always been an inefficient shooter. Uh, he's not going to get you many points on this team. Uh, and so his biggest source of value was assists. And now that those are starting to fall off, we're seeing that, you know, he's, he's tumbling down the rankings. So, no, I, I think he's he's fine to cut loose to the waiver wire. Yeah, get rid of him. Like, unless you're desperate for assists, yeah. um, what's he doing? Like, this again, there was a huge misconception about Monte Morris coming across that, man, now he's away from Jokic. His usage is going to spike. Like, A, that was never going to happen, and B, that's not the sort of player that he is. And he's getting yep. outperformed by Jordan Goodwin. So, and, mm-hmm. he, and he was getting outperformed by Dylan right at the start of the season. I I think you're sort of looking at him going, well, he's a starting point guard, so I want to hold. And I do get it in certain situations, but like, what for? Like, where's the upside is invisible, basically, I would think. Um, This, I can't read that name because unfortunately I do not read. Is that Chinese? I think it might be Chinese, but the name, that doesn't matter. He says, is Tari preseason worth a stash now or is it too early? I think it is okay to have him now because I think he's like 140th or something for the season. But, the thing remains, Zach, is that Eric Gordon, Jabari Smith, um, KJ Martin, and when he was playing, Jay Sean Tate were all ahead of him. Now, Tate is out for a while still, it seems, with his ankle, so that's opening things up. And Eason is better than the majority of those players. So I think it's okay when he is returning this value, but I'm still I'm still feeling a little bit shaky about what Steven Silas is going to do with him. Yeah, I think it's still uh, you can still feel a little shaky about him just because of all the players you mentioned. But um, and, and obviously we're not going to chase recency with five steals last exactly. night. It's not going to happen every game. But if you watch that game late, he really was hustling on defense late in the game. He was you know turning steals into transition offense on the other end. He looked like he was just playing to the point of exhaustion. So the guy has given it his all. Um, he looks really good on both ends, you know, the, for the reason that's the reason they drafted him so high uh, and touted him so highly. So I think eventually he will stick in that lineup and get 20 to 25 minutes a night consistently. 
Uh, so for me, if you have the space, he's a must hold at this point. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. Look, there's going to be a lot of ups and downs with it, I think, just because of the rotation. But you know, with Tate out and seeming like it's not coming, he's not coming back soon. That does really, it does really help um, where he can or what he's able to do. Um, I saw a question there from somebody, and I don't remember where it was. Oh yeah, Andre says, "Can Scott Barnes get back to where we thought he would be this season?" I thought there was always a risk that he was getting overdrafted when people were going into the third round, early fourth for him. Um, I thought that people were going a bit crazy on Evan Mobley, taking him sometimes in the second or third round. I think I had him more as a fourth round guy, so even that I, I was wrong on. And even Cade Cunningham's obviously been a disappointment as well. Those three top rookies from last season haven't really taken steps forward. What do you think about Barnes? Do you see some big improvement coming from him this season? I mean, I think he can improve. Uh, he's shooting 45% right now. I think that can come up a little bit. Um, but for a guy that shoots threes, it's it's probably not going to come up a, a whole ton. Um, I think he can he can score a little bit more, especially with uh, Siakam out. He's only averaging 14 points a game. But, I mean, he's 14 points, uh, I think six or seven rebounds and like five assists a game. Yep. Um, you know, those are all really solid numbers. That's, he's going to be a top 75 guy. But, uh, you know, he's, he's really not racking up a lot of those defensive stats that we we like to see from some of these forwards so i I don't think he's going to get you know back to where he was last year yeah look that's this is the thing like 0.8 steals 0.5 blocks really they're poor numbers he's not a good shooter um and he started off the season 41 percent, i think from three he's down to 36 now and i wouldn't be surprised if that number comes down even further because he's he's not a good shooter and he has improved but he's, he's still not very good there one thing i will say is he's playing under 32 minutes a game so far this season because of some of the ankle injuries, so that'll push up to 36 or so. So the 14, 7, and 5 might become 16, 8, and 5 and a half or something like that. And then you get a steal and you get 0.7 blocks, and that does help him. But yeah, I think that the the, the Mobley one, I was very cautious because ooh, I'm not sure, like, does he have the scope to have the offensive improvement with Mitchell there? I still think he he should do more than what he's done. But the with Barnes, you know... I was skeptical of like, well, they're going to just hand everything over to him because, again, he is not their best player, nor is he their second best player. And we are seeing that play out on the court again this season. So I think some people get really caught up in some of the narratives or some of the talk that comes out of training camp with these guys and then tries to extrapolate. Like the amount of Raptors people I argued with who told me that everything is getting turned over to Barnes and he's their best. Someone told me like a, a week ago they need to trade Siakam so that Barnes can flourish. Like, oh, what are you guys talking about? Like some of the irrationality of people wanting this player to do something is is pretty crazy to me. Here's a question for you, Zach. Mm-hmm. Who's the highest ranked second year player this year? Ooh, the highest ranked second year player. Uh, see, who are we talking about here? Mowgli, Cade, uh, Barnes. Oh man, I don't. Who is it? It's probably going to be someone I'm not even expecting. It's Alperen Shengun. Okay, right. After after the Bruno Fernando nonsense to begin the season, Shengun is now a top forty player over the course of the season. Um, yeah, I, that's that's pretty crazy to me that that he after all that nonsense that happened now is um is yeah is, is right at the top there. There's still going to be changes with a lot of these guys. Um, it's Hassan. Josh, would you do an episode on top 100 players in points leagues and my thoughts on them? No, I, no, I won't. Uh, that just seems like a, a big... Sorry, mate. That's just a, it's a lot of stuff there. I talk about every player that plays basically every day, but no, I won't be doing that, but that's cool. You can check basketballmonster.com for my uh, individual uh, rankings for all league types. Um, 
All right, let's find the next question. What do we have here? All right. Do I think Kelly Olenek will ever touch 30 minutes a game? Zave Meister says. Zach, I'll throw it to you, but I'll also say I don't think he needs to. Yeah, I don't think he needs to. I don't think he does. I think there's um, surprisingly a lot of really fun and interesting <laughs> names to feed on this Utah roster. So, no, I don't think he gets 30 minutes a game. I think they have some other guys that they're trying to develop and give some minutes to. But I, I totally agree with you. He doesn't need that. Um, his skill set allows him to, you know, play 25 to 28 minutes a night and and get you top 100 value. So absolutely not. He's top 75 this season in 26 minutes yeah. a game, and he's fouled out or nearly fouled out of about half the games. So yeah. I don't care if he plays 30 or 31, but he can actually do better than he's currently. So people go, is he a sell high? Mm-hmm. I'd look at it and go, I actually think he can do more than this. And maybe they trade him. Maybe they do. But literally nobody is giving you top 70 player back or top 75 player back for a Linux. And when I look at his numbers, they can actually get better in the short term. So I just just write it out. Like I talked about this the other day on my show. Selling high is so hard to do in a trade because what you're trying to convince the other person of is like this guy that's overperforming, you're trying to say, hey, actually, like I know he's doing really well, but I don't believe it long term. Do you want to be a sucker and fall for it? Like it's so, hey, how do you do that? How do you tell someone, hey, I know this guy's dominating, but I actually don't want good players anymore. Would you like a good player? It's such a hard thing to do. So in majority of the cases, Zach, with a guy that's flying or is a sell high sort of player, just just enjoy it. Just just write it out. Unless there's is certain circumstances around it, it's very hard to convince someone that I don't want a good player. Do you want them? And you drafted him outside the top 120, I'm sure, unless you massively reached. So yeah, what's the what's the point in selling right now? Enjoy that and tell your league mates, hey, look what I did. Exactly. I think I, I think I picked him around 110, 100 in some drafts. I was pretty excited about what he was going to produce, mm-hmm. but he's even out. Him and Larry are easily outperforming what I expected. All right. Will Ryan says this is again the common question. People love to give Dutch riders to rookies. Do I see Walker Kessler taking Vanderbilt's starting job by season's end? Vanderbilt's at twenty three. Like I don't really see that happening. And may, maybe it does. Walker has produced, I think, seven blocks in his last three games, which is obviously really good. But just because someone is a rookie, he was like the 22nd pick in the draft. He's not a high-profile rookie or a lottery pick or a top-five pick or anything like that. That They're not just discarding what Vanderbilt is doing. Um, they both got the same equity in the Jazz. It's not like one was drafted by the organization and one was a throw-in a trade. They both came in the same trade in the Gobert deal. So... No, I don't see Kessler taking over from Vanderbilt unless something wildly changes. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, I don't have much to add to that. I think Vanderbilt will be the starter for the rest of the season. I agree. Unless there's injuries. Now, he gets into foul trouble a ton, Vanderbilt. But yeah, also say that Vanderbilt has clearly outplayed Kessler all season. Kessler's had some good moments and I think he's got some real potential as a starting center. But Vanderbilt's been better. Simple as that. Um... It's Hassan asked another question. What What are my thoughts on Jokic? Will he get back to number one this season? He's not playing like it. He, okay, Zach, I'll let you touch this, but it doesn't actually matter. And I've said I said this so much in the offseason. You take Jokic at one, but there's probably a greater than 50% chance he isn't the number one fantasy player because that's just how fantasy stuff works. But it doesn't actually matter if he finishes second or third or fourth. It doesn't matter. It doesn't change really anything about your team. I just we hyper stress on the first round and the first five picks and oh I picked this guy at one he's fifth why he's killing me man you were so wrong on Steph you had him at eighth and look at him he's now fourth it doesn't matter those variations just do not matter that much and we stress about it too much someone said man Jokic is really struggling should I try and trade him away for another first round guy like just hold him 
the the focus on that is wild to me. Well, that's the thing is you're right. It doesn't, that variation doesn't matter. Now, if you drafted him one and he's 101, yeah, Ah, then yeah, yeah, you're shitting your pants over that. But (laughs) at this point, you, you know, who cares if he's one or six? Like he went into the fourth quarter last night with one rebound, finished with four, and he still put up a massive, a massive final line. Like I, I was writing this up for Roto World last night. I said, yeah, his quote unquote off night last night was still, you know, 20 points, four rebounds, six assists and three stocks. Like that's that's what this guy brings to your table. And we expected the rebounds and the points to kind of fall off now that Murray and MPJ are back. But he's dishing out almost 10 a game, which is a career high for him right now. So absolutely, you're holding him and and you're loving it. it one to five, one to six. Uh, you know, who gives a rat's ass? Exactly. Ryan Portia says, what is Jabari? And I'm going to assume it's Smith and not Parker. What is Jabari Smith's floor and ceiling in the ESPN 12 team points? Like, well, I'm not going to answer that specifically. Like, what's his floor and ceiling? Um his floor is what he's doing now. It can't really get worse than what he's doing. So I think we've established that. Ceiling is probably top 70 to me. But what are you doing with Jabari? Because I needed to touch on this because I had it as the thumbnail of this video. So I needed to talk on Jabari Smith. To me, he is a clear buy low everywhere. To me, if he is dropped, I add him. I understand the frustration. But people are like, man, he's just too soft. He's not going to the paint. Why is he standing at the corner? It's because he's a three-point shooter. Like He is basically a better rebounding, much better defending Ryan Anderson as a play type, which some might say is not a great fantasy play. But Ryan Anderson also had multiple top 50 seasons. Mm-hmm. And this guy can block shots. And he's... And he has block shots. And he had a double-double yesterday with it. Like, it's it's going to come. The shots will start to go in. To me, he is the clearest of clear holds. But people are impatient, Zach. Are you impatient as well? No. Any guy that can get you one-and-a-half threes and one-and-a-half blocks per game is a guy that is, you know, he ends up being one of those fantasy cheat codes as long as the rest of that game, you know, kind of comes a little bit up from where he's at right now. So he's shooting 30% from the floor. Um, you know, one of the big things that people loved about him coming out of college was the accuracy and especially the long range accuracy, which we are just not seeing right now. Um, and of course, we saw last year with Cade, uh, field goal percentage was just garbage to start out the season. And eventually that came up to it's still not great, but it, no way Jabari Smith finishes the season shooting 30 percent. That number is going to come up. And then when you have the blocks and threes. Uh, that's a great fantasy player to me. I'm buying low for sure. I don't know how many times we've seen it with rookies who start off the season shooting horribly and people drop them, especially these high-profile guys. Um, Like Cade, you mentioned, you ended up finishing like 55th or something last season. Trey Young Mm -hmm. in his rookie season. Like it happens all the time to these guys and things pick up. So yeah, just you need to be really cautious. Eric asks an interesting question. I want your opinion on this first, Zach. He says, how do you approach a high waiver position? Do you wait to use it on a must-add or just burn it early? I, I'm waiting to use it. I mean, like obviously it's out of necessity. So if I'm if I'm really terrible right now and I absolutely need a win or I need to boost my stats in a certain category <clears> for the week, sure, I'll, I'll burn it. But uh, for the most part, I'm waiting for I'm waiting for the must add player. Um, and just to throw this out there, please use Fab. Please quit doing waiver priorities. Switch to Fab. Agree, agree. Fab uh, people. I've had a lot of pushback with people with Fab. They're like, oh, yeah, but what, that means I can't add someone just before the game starts. Oh, oh well. This, yeah. That's just the way that I think leagues should be run rather than like this. A, someone is paying attention to a game and Chris Paul goes out, so someone immediately grabs campaign. Like, is that, do we want people to be glued to watching NBA? Like, that is exclusionary for fantasy. It makes it really a lot harder. It means you have to be watching every single game at every single moment to make sure that you, you have the best 
or the most successful at it. And Fab is a hundred times better. I'm not as interested in preserving waiver priority because, again, some of it's going to depend on your league. Is your league dumb? Are they reactive? Do they drop really good players all the time? And if they do, then hold on to that number one spot because you might get it and take advantage of a dumb manager. But if people are pretty smart and they're not dropping these guys, the must-add players will be players who are just sitting loose on free agency anyway. They're not likely to be players who were dropped. That You're not going to have someone who... Look, this a good player might appear and might... You know, Cameron Payne, for example, right now, you don't need to use waiver priority for someone like that because they were just sitting in free agency. So unless your league is full of reactive managers who are dropping good players left, right, and center, you're going to just be sitting waiting on that thing all the time. So if you've got like, oh, someone said, you know, I've got third waiver priority the other day. Should I use it on Jabari Smith or hold for someone better? Like, who's going to come up that's got better upside than that? And like, right. who cares? Just just do it. Like you know, that diamond yeah. in the rough that we're all hoping for. We're wait, man. But what if what if they drop a top thirty guy? Like. Yeah, okay, but but what if they don't? And most likely they don't. This is a one in a hundred type scenario. And when it hits, you'll always remember it, right? You'll always go, oh, I, yeah. I saved it and I got this play and I won my league. But every other time you saved it, didn't give you anything. And you might have waited to week 12 for that to happen and missed out on a bunch of other interesting performances. I just don't care about waiver priority, um, but it's good to have a, a differing opinion where you're more save and I'm more like, no, uh, do not save. But that's, anyway, that's mine. What else do we have? Because we've got... All right, we've got one. We'll sneak one more question in here before we uh, before we get out of here. Um, people asking what Fab is. I'm not going to describe it here, but um, just go. It's F A A B. Just go search F A A B, and that'll explain it for you. We've got one more question. I'm just trying to find a really good one to finish out on here. Hmm. I'm trying to. What's what's the best question I can find? All right, here we go. Luke McCarr. Do you think Christian Wood's minutes will stay in the 20 to 23 minute range all season? Will Jason Kidd bring him more into the rotation at any point? And what has to happen to get there? Well, he has to be good, which he isn't. He has to defend better, which he doesn't. Um, and he's not playing 20 to 23. He's playing like 24 to 27 most nights. And while I am a well-renowned Jason Kidd hater for various reasons, coaching acumen, um, drink driving, women bashing, I think all they're all fair criticisms, um, I I don't think there's a problem with him not playing him 32, 33 minutes. Oh, Wood's their second best player. If Wood's their second best player, they're going nowhere. He is not that good, but he is one of those players. And someone asked this question before I saw it fly past in the chat, Zach. They said, who's a player that's good at fantasy that you hate watching? He's one of them. The other one's Andre Drummond. Yeah. They're the guys that put up 20. These are 20 and 10, man. He's a walking double-double. Yeah, but he also does have no idea what to do defensively at all. And he's an absolute black hole. He doesn't know how to pass. So those things are actually important in basketball. So I actually side a little bit with Jason Kidd here. While Dwight Powell's not sexy, he's actually probably a better fit in terms of just knowing where to be and what to do versus what Christian Wood does. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think he probably will stay in the same minutes range all season um, for the for the reasons that you mentioned. Um, I don't think he necessarily has to play uh, huge minutes to be a fantasy viable option, um, but he he's struggled to be that this season. He's had some good um, you know scoring and rebounding moments, but other than that, I mean, what are you getting out of him? He's not an elite shot blocker. He's not he's not a good passer. He doesn't even get you one assist per game. Bad free uh, throws. Three point numbers. Yeah, three point numbers don't blow you away either. <laughs> Uh, yeah, free throw percentage is terrible. So he's a guy I was leery of coming into the season. And, uh, you know, he's not a guy that's probably going to see too much improvement as the season goes on. 
I was, I was skeptical to a degree. Like I just was like, okay, he's going to come off the bench. We knew that. I thought that would cap him at 28, 29 minutes and that pushes him into like the 75 to 95 range in drafts. But he's playing five fewer minutes and I can't actually fault it because again, this, I, I understand why that is the case. Zach, that will uh, that'll end it for us today. So thanks to everyone who was here live and asking your questions. Zach, can you tell people where they can find you? Yeah, you can find me at uh, Zach the Monster on Twitter, and you can uh, check out my work at Roto World. Um, I also do some work for um, Sportsbook Review, been uh, getting into the betting picks for NBA season. Um, Thanks for having me, Josh. Really appreciate it, man. No problem at all. Go check Zach's stuff out. And guys, that'll do it for us today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on Odyssey, and on YouTube. Ring the bell. Hit the like, donate to Movember, and you'll grow this mustache out, and I'll drink a beer on the live stream later on if we hit that target. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.